Welcome to the Strong for Performance podcast, where we give coaches and consultants practical ideas for taking you to the next level in your business and in your life. I'm your host, Meredith Bell. I interview experts who've walked in your shoes and offer real-world experience that you can apply to your own journey. Welcome to another episode of the Strong for Performance podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Bell, and today I am just so delighted to have with me Stephen Crawford. Stephen, welcome to my show. Hi, Meredith. Thanks for having me on. Well, I'm so excited about talking with you today, Stephen. And before we get into our discussion, let me uh, tell my listeners a little bit more about you. Stephen is the Director of Sales and a Senior Consultant with McGee Productivity Solutions, or MPS, or excuse me, MPS, yes, is what we'll refer to it as, and it's a performance consulting firm based in Denver, Colorado. They specialize in change management and productivity effectiveness. Now, I have to mention Stephen on the side is also, he has a passion project where he works with local entrepreneurs and business owners to help them get funding for their businesses. So that is just a wonderful community service that you provide, Stephen. Today, though, we are going to zero in on your work at MPS because you have a group of 12 consultants who report to you. So my listeners are primarily leadership coaches, consultants, trainers, and speakers. And so they struggle with some of the same kinds of things that I know you have helped your consultants work with and work through. And I'm really eager to go deep with you on that today. Um, But first, let's give folks some context. What, um, What kinds of things are part of your journey that led up to your work at MPS? Well, that's a great question. And I thank you for asking that because my journey is pretty unique, but it tells a great story about the passion about why I'm here. So for 20 years prior to joining McGee Productivity Solutions, about three and a half years ago, I was an executive in business process outsourcing. So I ran large companies that had offices all over the world, uh, thousands of employees, you know, big time dollars serving large financial service companies and banks around the world. And I was really good at what I did for those 20 years and I enjoyed it and everything was great. But what happened was I continued to progress in my career and I got to such a level that something was missing. While I was really good at what I did and uh, I was making great money and a great uh, living and providing for my family, there was something missing. I wasn't feeling fulfilled. And there was a, a life event that happened. My parents had passed away uh, fairly close together. And during that time, I had taken some time off and I was really thinking about what do I really want to do when I grow up, right? <laughs> in my mid forties with four kids, I was having this thought in my head about changing careers. And um, I did the old fashioned pro con list. What do I love about what I do? What do I not love about what I do? And if I could create a job, forget about money and titles and all that, and just create a job for what I really want to do, what would it look like? And I came up with this list. And at that moment, I decided I was changing careers. I was getting out of the executive life of running a business process outsourcing company and wanted to get into something that would afford me the opportunity to make an impact on people every single day. 
both within the company that I'm working for and the clients that I serve. So I started my search and I came across McGee Productivity Solutions and called up the founder, Sally McGee, and said, I'd love to meet you and talk to you. And after a bunch of discussion, we just landed on this was a great fit for me. So, um, you know, again, mid 40s, taking a big pay cut, uh, changing careers, all that, you know, might seem a little bit crazy, but it was exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to get back into something that made an impact on people every single day. And uh, last three and a half years have been the best of my life. I truly love what I do. I love hearing that because there's nothing that gets you more excited about getting out of bed than being really crazy about the work that you get to do. So let's look at uh, part of what you do is work with these different consultants, right? Who are out there delivering the services that, uh, that you help bring in. And I'm assuming they help bring in too, right? They Absolutely. are part of the sales force in addition to being deliverer, deliverers of the services. That's correct. Each one of us has consultants. We wear three hats and then I wear a fourth hat as the director, but as consultants, we have a sales responsibility. So, you know, in a sense, I, you know, former Marine, I have these, what my clients and colleagues call Steve-isms, um, but we eat what we kill. So we, we're, we have a sales responsibility in that we have to go out and continue to grow our clients and get new clients. We have an account management responsibility. So our existing clients continue to nurture those relationships, find ways to um, grow within those clients with our other um, offerings and programs. And then we have the facilitatory and coaching uh, role where we're actually out there facilitating the training, uh, doing the consulting on the consulting programs, and doing the executive and leadership coaching stuff that we do as well. Excellent. Thank you for that very clear explanation. And it's going to lead into some questions I had been thinking about for our conversation today. And the first one I want to get you to think about is around um, mindset. And what is it you've seen with the consultants who are really effective at landing new business? Because I know that I've worked with many consultants and coaches over the last 25 years. And so many of them have said, you know, I love the programs that I deliver to my clients, but I don't enjoy the, the marketing and sales part. Mm -hmm. So for those consultants, including yourself, that are really good at bringing in new clients, what would you, how would you describe the mindset? What are some of the attitudes and beliefs they hold that make it easier for them to go out and bring in new clients? Well, the number one thing mindset is not to think of it as selling. Truly, it's about building relationships and adding value. So for example, I do a, a lot of networking. I do a lot of meetups and calls. I'd never go into a call or a meeting with the mindset that I'm there to try to sell one of my programs. I go there with a complete mindset that I'm there to learn about this individual, build a relationship, and then see where I might be able to add value to them so that this relationship is bringing them value. And that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the programs that I offer. It could be simply listening. There's been people I've met with and early in the conversation, uh, we, we make a connection of some kind. It could be based on our faith. It could be based on experiences that we've had, challenges that they have, um, whatever it might be. And we make a connection that way. And that builds the relationship. And then in that, when you truly are coming from that point of view and you're building a relationship, you find areas where you might be able to add value. 
And sometimes that could be the programs that you offer. And sometimes it's advice. Otherwise, it's a connection to somebody. It's a recommendation. Hey, you should be on Meredith's podcast. That'd be perfect for you, you know. And making those, those recommendations and adding value that way builds the credibility, value, and trust that you're looking for. And that individual, if you continue that relationship, um, becomes a key advisor for you. Um, they might, may never be a customer, uh, but they might know somebody who, you know, is talking about the pain points that you address and they become a referral. They might be somebody who can connect you to another person. So truly it comes to the mindset of not really trying to go in guns blazing, trying to sell anything. It's about really trying to build true, honest connections with people and try to bring value. And if you're adding value to people, typically you'll find that in return. Excellent. Yeah, I, I totally resonate with what you're saying and agree with that. I'm curious if you have found, not, not that I'm looking for a formula to present to our listeners, but are there one or two questions that you have found to be really effective for opening the conversation and helping you get to know the person or get to know more about what they might be struggling with? Yeah, it's as simple as that. One of the things I ask them is, you know, where, where is an opportunity for you to either improve or to get help? What kinds of things are you struggling with? What kinds of things are holding you back? Um, those, that question really helps drive a lot of conversation because it could be something personal. It could be a limiting belief that somebody has that you're able to uncover and really work them through. And it could be something more tangible. Um, it could be something that is around their efforts in business development or, or managing their team. Wherever it comes up from that, I can draw from my experience and add value in, in that discussion. And quite often, you know, it'll go down different, different paths along the way. But that's one of the questions that I like to ask. The other thing I like to ask is, you know, what's the thing you love most about what you do? Because if I start off that conversation from a passion point, it really sets the mindset for them. I'm already coming in that way, but it sets the mindset for them about, you know, what, what is it that we love about what we do and how can we, you know, grow from that and make sure that we're using that as our guideline for success or an operating paradigm, you know, that I'm coming in from a place of service to add value to people. And if, if I'm keeping that as my operating paradigm, it's going to, I'm going to behave that way. That's how I'm going to be. And then I'll impact what I do. Excellent. I just love your responses. <laughs> Partly because I guess I agree with them in terms of how I think it's most effective to build relationships, to take mm. a genuine interest in someone else and think about how might I serve this person, regardless of whether we ever do business together. Right. But what can I do to be of help? Because I think they sense that when you are relaxed and able to just be present with them as opposed to them being afraid of when are you going to start making trying to make your pitch right now i want to flip it around though and think about the i i'm guessing there are at least one or two of the 12 consultants who are on your team that struggle with this making of appointments and then once in there um making this kind of going through this discovery process that you just described. And I'm curious, what do you think is causing them to struggle? And then the second part is what do you do to help them get past whatever those elements are? Right. So one of the, the biggest um, roadblocks is time and budget. 
So as a small business, um, we don't have a giant sales budget where we can just fly all over the country to meet with people um, using our sales budget for that, right? So how do you get in front of the people you want to get in front of when you have a limited budget? Um, and then time, you know, they'll say, hey, while I'm not traveling, I don't have a lot of time to network and go meet people because I'm focused on sales activities and, you know, doing the, the tasks and the strategic next actions that I already have on my plate. So time and budget's one. The other one is um, their personal confidence around just being that kind of an extrovert to really proactively engage with somebody in a conversation that, you know, isn't a, a program that you're delivering or, or something. It's truly just an organic conversation to have with somebody. So I would say those would be the two things that are um, the biggest holdups. So when it comes to um, time and budget, one of the main things that I lead by example with is leverage the time that you already are traveling for that. So we travel all over the country and in some of our cases all over the world um, delivering these programs. I'm going next week or actually this week, I'm leaving Wednesday for San Jose, for example, for a meeting with a client. Okay, so I'm going to be doing some work there. I already have four coffee meetings set up while I'm there with other contacts. So I'm leveraging the fact that the clients fly me into San Jose. I'm going to be there for that client. Well, the morning or the night I get there, I have a, a coffee and a dinner. The next morning before I go to my client, I have a coffee. And then I have a coffee already confirmed for after that time with the client with different people from different clients. So budget's no longer a concern there. I just booked four meetings leveraging the fact that my clients already fly me to the city. So that's one way is I encourage them to, to leverage that travel they're already doing. And that's the power of LinkedIn. If you have, if you have relationships there, you can just quickly search and say, Hey, who's in San Jose? I haven't met in person yet. And that's impactful because not only do you have this connection already with somebody, but you're actually living into the true connection philosophy that I have. And that is, listen, I love that we're connected on LinkedIn. I always try to make a phone call or a coffee meeting with anybody I connect with. And if they're in a different town, a coffee meeting can be kind of tough. But the next time you're going to be in that city, boom, I book it. So I'm following through with that whole kind of mindset that I have. Um, and then the other piece is, you know, a little bit about, you know, um, a limiting belief or maybe a lack of confidence or just not having that extra level of extrovertism that makes you just want to start having conversations with random people, right? And the way I overcome that and, and I coach my team is exactly what we talked about before. If you're going in with expectations, you are going to be nervous. You're going to think that there has to be an end result that you're expecting, a sale or whatever it might be. Forget about all that. This is your first contact with somebody. Invite them for a coffee meeting and just get to know them. If you're going in there just literally just trying to make a new friend or make a new contact and there's no expectations either way, it takes all the pressure off. Then you just get to be yourself. And if you do it, for those that struggle with it, I'm a natural at it because I just truly love meeting people and I soak it up like a sponge. But if it's somebody who struggles a little bit with that, um, the more you do it, the more comfortable you'll get. And it's a, just an opportunity to meet people. And, you know, I think a key piece of that, uh, as you were talking, I thought it's when we focus on ourselves that we get into trouble, right? Mm -hmm. yep. That if we're really focused on learning more about that other person, then we don't get as hung up on whatever <laughs> thoughts we've had about right. ourselves and how am I coming across and some of those other 
beliefs or thoughts that run through our minds that get in the way of us being, as you say, natural, being ourselves, being able to show up as our best selves. And the true, the true beauty of the whole thing is, is when you are authentic like that, and you're really just trying to meet people, you meet some fantastic folks and you get some great stories. And you are, if you're like me, you love to learn about a lot of different stuff. I'm kind of a nerd. I'll read just about any kind of book that comes along just because I want to learn stuff. But when you're dealing with human beings and their stories and their lives and just learning about what, the, what makes them tick, what, what holds them back, what's going on in their life, what's going on in their industry and in their business, you just organically soak in all this stuff. And it makes you more well-read, even though you're not necessarily reading, right? Because you know so much more about so many other things. It's really um, energizing and really fulfilling just to be able to spend time with that human connection. And in today's world, it's so easy just to pick up and send a tweet or text somebody or post something on a social media. And I'm not downplaying that, but the human connection and relationship goes so much further. And when there's an opportunity for you to make a recommendation for somebody or somebody wants to recommend you and you've had a personal connection, it goes so much further. It really does. Um, that's so helpful. Let's take a step back now, again, thinking about your 12 consultants and you yourself. You just gave a great example of using your LinkedIn connections to meet with people out of town. What are some other things that you do or your most successful ones do to actually find prospective clients to begin with. So we, we already talked about what you do when you meet with them, but let's back up to before you ever have those connections, how do you find the right people to talk to? So sometimes it's a straight up referral and we're, we're very good with that. About 82% of our business comes from referral business. So that could be within the organization, you know, uh, an executive in, in this division had a great experience with our work. So he recommended us to his colleague, and asked her to look into us because she can benefit from us too. Or somebody who took one of our programs at a company, left that company, went to a new company and then said, Hey, you guys got to be doing what we did over here. Call Steve over at McGee because they can really help us. So the, the way you get those referrals obviously is by doing great work, but also asking for the referral. Once you've built that credibility, value and trust and delivered good work, there's no shame in asking for a referral. And most of the time, people want to give you that referral, especially when you've done good work. Absolutely. And so let's talk about that because I think that's another area where sometimes people feel very uncomfortable. They're afraid they're putting pressure on the person and they have all these thoughts and beliefs that run through their head that keep them from asking. So what have you found to be a natural way to ask someone for a referral? So there's several different ways. So if I'm facilitating in front of a room of 30 people and I'm doing a, a take back your life training program, for example, at the end of it, I'll throw up a slide that has a picture of my giant mug and all my con contact information, you know, my LinkedIn and here's my email and all that. And then I'll just say to them simply, so there's no pressure. I don't ask them for an answer. I just say to them, Hey, if you feel compelled, if you see an opportunity to share what I do with any of your friends or colleagues, please do. Here's my information. Um, and it's simple as that. And then the follow-up to that is when we send out our evaluations for after the course and we're talking to whoever the session sponsor was sharing that evaluation information, I'll share with them, hey, this is the feedback that the folks have given. 
Um, who else in your organization do you think I should reach out to about this program? Or is there anybody that you want to reach out to on my behalf? And it's a simple little question like that. I'm not asking to put them on the spot, but every question you don't ask, the answer is no, right? So <laughs> you might as well yes. ask. Um, so, and like I've said, I've really found nobody's ever been put off by me asking that. The worst case scenario is they say, you know, I really can't think of anybody to recommend. Okay. So that didn't hurt. But most of the time they'll say, yeah, definitely I'll recommend you. You know, let me look around and see what kind of colleagues I think might be um, benefit from this. Or sometimes they'll say right off the bat, oh, this is, you definitely got to talk to Joe. Well, if they say that, then I take it to another level and say, hey, would you mind making an introduction for me and Joe? Right. Just take, take it to the next level. And, you know, you can do that lots of different ways. One of the ways I would do it is say it would be very valuable for me if you would take the time to, to make that introduction to Joe because you've experienced our program instead of me calling him up direct cold, you know, and, and like I said, people want to help people, you know, so if they've already see, saw value in what you do and they like you, they're going to want to serve you just like you've been serving them. So ask the question, you know, there's lots of different ways to do it. I, I like the approach that you take. I think um, making it um, visible at the end of a presentation and then the um, follow-up. Now, if you have someone that has said, sure, I'll make an introduction, but then it's crickets and you don't hear from them, what have you found to be an effective way to follow up with them and ask again, or what do you do? Absolutely. So um, at that point, I feel like I have a commitment. So at that point, I definitely follow up. So I make a task for myself and my system to follow up with people on a regular basis anyway. So just in my next task for them, I'd say, ask about the referral to Joe. And so when that task comes up, if I haven't heard anything from her or from Joe yet, I would send her an email saying, Hey, one to touch base. Thank you again for having me out and presenting to your team. I'm looking forward to the next time I can serve your organization. Had a note to follow up with you on a, on your recommendation or introduction to Joe. Um, have you had an opportunity to make any progress on that yet? You know, boom. And then in the meantime, um, I would have already done what I call circling the wagons, which is another part of an answer to the question you asked before about how do you get into the right people? Um, I would have already done my research on Joe once she told me that that's the guy. And I likely would have sent him a LinkedIn request saying, hey, Joe, got your name from Susan. She's going to be fostering an introduction for us. Uh, but I'd love to connect with you here on LinkedIn you know, and send him the LinkedIn request. So if he had accepted by the time that I was doing that follow-up, I might engage some more on there, or I might wait for that introduction from her before I engage further. But, you know, kind of attacking things from different angles there and building relationship. And, and that's one of the key things about getting into the, the decision makers and the organizations you're targeting too. So let's say, for example, you were targeting XYZ company as a potential client and you did your research and, the top targeted preferred buyers in that organization are these five men and women, and you're not connected to them at all. You've never met them. You don't know anything about them. Okay. It could be a little bit intimidating, maybe even a little bit forward just to reach out to them directly. Hey, COO of XYZ company, I'd love to do business with you, right? Nobody wants to do that. But you, what you can do is start working your network and seeing who do you know who is connected to people in that organization? And then this is where I call circling the wagons, right? So you start getting introductions to those people, start building relationship with them. 
And then as you're building a relationship with them, they can connect you to other people inside the organization to build a relationship. The next thing you know, you have six or seven people directly connected to this target buyer that you're looking to build a relationship with. And then you can ask them for the, the introduction. And that's what, where it's powerful because if, um, you know, Jane Smith is the COO and she has six different people saying, you really need to meet the Steve Crawford guy. She's going to pick up the call, right? <laughs> As opposed to just, you know, a, a cold LinkedIn connection or email. Yeah, that is, a, that's worth its weight in gold. I hope people are taking notes on that one, Stephen, because what you are bringing up, there are several things I want to kind of go deeper with. One is just using LinkedIn. I'm the same way. If I come across someone, I immediately go to their LinkedIn profile to see if they're on LinkedIn and, and then learn more about them and looking at who they're connected to uh, as a way of seeing where are the common um, connections that we may have within that specific organization. I just think that's a very powerful and effective tool because I think most folks underutilize mm -hmm. LinkedIn. Yeah. And there's really opportunities there that don't occur to us sometimes if we're not connected to them and we run doing wondering what, what's the reason they would want to connect with us to have the approach that you're taking, which is sort of tiered starting with the folks, you know, who know someone there. Mm -hmm. In other words, it's a good idea not to try to take shortcuts all right. the time because in, in reality it can save you more time and get you more yeses if you work through the networking process like you're talking to versus yeah. reaching out cold to someone. And you build all these great relationships. I mean, In that's the, the process, key thing, yeah. right? So along the way, you're meeting all these great folks. Yes. So that's the, that's the benefit. So some people might say, you know, Steve, that's a lot of time invested for the opportunity to meet this one person. And the answer to that is, yes, it is. There, there's an investment there of my time. However, I love every minute of the process because I love meeting people and learning from people and making these connections. So if I never ended up getting a sale inside of that company, I've still created a great network of people that I've got to meet that I've been able to add value to that, you know, at some point that might come back around. They might make a recommendation. They might leave and say, hey, I can do it at this firm. They might connect you to somebody else. Meantime, you're constantly following up with them and keeping contact with them. The happy birthday notes on LinkedIn that are personalized instead of just the canned one. You know, you see somebody changed positions or got promoted, you know, put a personal message on there. And they notice that. They notice that it's not just a canned message, that you're personalizing it, you know, and that, that adds a lot of value. Mm -hmm. and it keeps you on their radar in their mind. And that really is the key when you look at playing the long game. Mm -hmm. Now, okay, so let's go back now into the sales conversation with someone, whether it's on the phone, on Zoom, or in person, and you've established this good connection with them, and you see an opportunity to be able to discuss what you could do to help meet one of the needs that has popped up. So where do you go? Because I see people also get hung up sometimes on asking for the sale. Right. How do you frame that in your own mind? And then how do you go about posing the question to see if there might be an interest in doing business with you? Right. So usually by that point, by the time that I'm at a position where I feel like one of our programs is a solution for them, I've done quite a bit of listening up to that point. 
And they might say, hey, I have this team of people who um, they're just not aligned on the divisional goals. You know, they get it. They know that's what we're trying to do, but they're all trying to do it different ways. And they're complaining about their whole day being spent on emails and meetings. So they don't have enough time to get stuff done. So they're going home at night and doing more work. So they don't have that work-life synergy they're looking for. And, you know, X, Y, and Z. So they, I've heard these challenges. And then I would ask them the question, you know, are you familiar with Take Back Your Life program or Cultivating Accountability program? And how they specifically address those challenges that you've shared. And I'll ask that question whether I know if they are familiar with it or not, because I want to give them an opportunity to share with me uh, what they already know about the programs that we offer. Um, but either way, you know, it gives me an opportunity to go in deeper about that and share about how we facilitate it, how it impacts, how it rolls into other programs that we do. And then ask them, you know, have you committed any budget to resolving those issues yet? You know, yes or no, right? And I lead you down a different path. It's a choose your own adventure book, right? So if it's no, <laughs> then okay. So what is your access to budget for that? If you haven't already allocated it, right? Or who's the person that would have budget for that? If the answer is yes, then you say, okay, how do you typically spend that money on a given year to support your team with this kind of stuff? Have you tried any work like this before, right? What's been the results? Um, really what I'm trying to do is do a lot more listening than talking because at the end of the conversation, they've reconfirmed what their struggles are and they've acknowledged that there's a solution on the table for them. So that becomes easy to say, okay, well, let me put together this proposal for you. Here's what it looks like. And sometimes they'll ask about pricing right there. Sometimes they'll ask about, you know, timing. They'll ask about um, some logistical stuff and just let that go. It doesn't have to be exactly step by step by step. Just go the way they want to go because remember, it's their comfort level here. You're here to serve them. Mm -hmm. So they don't have to fit into my script. You know, they have to fit into how, how their stream of consciousness works, not mm -hmm. where I want them to go. But ultimately you can ask the great questions and bring up things in a conversation that helps steer it back to ultimately come to a point where you get to propose to them your solution. Mm -hmm. It's really true. I was listening to you and thinking about someone I just spoke to recently mm -hmm who has used 360 feedback tools in the past and she was describing how they didn't do this, they didn't do this and they didn't do that. And as I'm listening to her, I'm thinking ours does that, that. Nope. <laughs> and so I said to her, I think you've come to the end of the journey of your search. <laughs> yep, the exactly. right tool. Perfect. When you, when you are hearing them describe what they're looking for and it's a perfect fit, I think it, it, you owe it to them as well as yourself to speak up and say, hey, we got it. <laughs> yeah. And remember, the thing that you have going for you that's different than, you know, if there's a competitor that has a similar program is that you've already built this credibility, value, and trust. You've already, you've already demonstrated that you're there to serve. You've had conversations and you didn't yes. catch anything or, or try to force anything down their throat. You were trying to learn from them. So now when you're bringing that solution, it's very well received as opposed right. to feeling like it was a sales process. Yes, because there's the context of what you've done mm -hmm. already. And right. I think it, it is especially true. And I'm sure you do this, although you didn't specify that as you're in that earlier conversation, if you think of someone you want to introduce them to or a different oh, yeah. resource, you probably recommend it right on the spot. 
So they sense, oh, he's really listening and he's connecting what I'm saying to something that he's aware of. So you, they, they feel that you're really giving and giving a lot of value and, and it demonstrates so many things without saying overtly, hey, I, I care about you or I am really interested in you. Your responses demonstrate that. Well, and that's the thing, you know, in those first meetings, those coffee meetups, you know, nine times out of 10, there's something right there that they share that I'm able to add value for. You know, they say, you know, hey, we're really struggling with this. And I can say, oh, you know what? I have a, a connection in my network who's really good at that. I should connect you to. Or they say, I'm trying to find um, something, a passion project on the side where I can really do some great community service. Um, this is the kind of time that I have to, to commit to that. Oh, well, let me connect you to these three people that I know that are heavily engaged in that. And then follow through and actually do it, right? So that's, when you're doing oh, that, that's such a key. Yeah. Such and when you're doing that kind of stuff, you're adding value to them that has nothing to do with your work, but you're just value, 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 right? And quite often what people will ask me at the end of that first meeting is, hey, Steve, what can, what can I do for you? You know, you've just been, you know, awesome and you've added so much value for me. What can I do for you? And I'll say, hey, you know, what's really helpful for me is if you can just follow me on, on LinkedIn and as you see me post um, articles or post a, you know, something about a, a program, if you would comment on that, like it or share it, that just adds a lot of value to me because it helps permeate my network, right? Well, it actually does more than that. So not only does it do that stuff, but they're looking at your stuff now. I have yet, unless they've asked me directly, I've yet to talk about any of my programs or any of that. So now they're looking at it. So if they do have those things, those problems in the background, like your, your example, I tried 360 stuff. This is the things that it wasn't happening. She's going on there to promote your things to be of service to you because you had asked her to do so. And she's like, oh, wow, this is what Meredith's got going on. It, it exactly does what I'm looking to do, right? Next time you have that follow-up conversation, she's a little bit more versed in what you do and it just grows. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it can also accelerate the sales process mm -hmm. without you pushing it, without them exactly feeling right. pressured. When you listen well and you hear where there is a great match and you let them know how what you have can meet their needs, then they don't have to go looking and they will zero in more on, on what it is you do, especially if they have an urgent need for whatever it is that you are offering. If they've right. been struggling and they've been in pain and they're ready to get rid of that pain, then and they see that you have something that can be of value to them, then they're quicker to say, yeah. And it goes back to what you were saying, that no like and trust, that establishing yourself as a person who brings value, who's interested in serving them. When they sense that, and a lot of that can happen unconsciously, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Then the, the defenses fall away and they become really open and receptive to what it is you want to share with them. Because yeah, you're authentic and, and you're true. And it comes down to that. You know, one example of kind of all that stuff come into place and working. I had a, a target client that I started working on about a year and a half ago. I didn't have any contacts inside of that client, zero. 
Um, but I addressed who the target people were. I did my research and I recognized these five or six people as being the potential targeted buyers. Okay. So I had to start from scratch and try to build some network and grow in there. And I did all the stuff that I just explained about earlier. And then what I started doing was there was about five or six people that were junior level in the organization, but I had built real relationship with. I started asking them because they wanted to do something for me to help me. I started asking them when I make a post that I thought was pertinent to that org, I would send them a private message in LinkedIn with the attachment to that article and say, hey, would you mind liking and sharing this? So these six people from this client were doing that on a regular basis. Guess what was happening? More people inside of their org were seeing it because they're connected to everybody inside of their org. So those targeted buyers started seeing my content as I was working my way up to be connected to them. So by the time I got introduced to them, they've heard of McGee Productivity Solutions. They were familiar with some of our programs. They've seen my smiling face and heard of my name before. So when I finally got the intro, it was much smoother and easier for them to accept it because it wasn't just some random dude getting introduced to them. Brilliant strategy. Makes a lot of of sense. And along the way, all those connections are fantastic connections of mine. I have like personal relationships with half of them, which is awesome. That's great because you never know where they might go. Exactly right. That's the thing. You mentioned this earlier, this idea that when someone leaves, that there may be a chance to do do business with them in their new company. That happens a lot if they remember you in a positive way and really benefited from what you offered. So obviously the quality is there. I do have a question for you around that. How do you go about keeping track of people who leave and where they go? What's your strategy for managing that whole process so two things number one that's what i call an ims it's what we build in our take back your life program that we facilitate for our clients and i ims is an integrated management system so it's using your outlook tool or g suite tool wherever your calendar and email is to actually have a task system and a folder system that really manages that and then the extra layer on that is because we're a microsoft shop ourselves we use um d365 dynamics as our CRM, mm-hmm. so I'll make sure I'll keep that updated as well. So people sometimes will tell me, hey, I'm leaving. A lot of times they'll tell me ahead of time because I can add value by helping them find their next role because of my connections. Or they'll tell me right afterwards, hey, I just left, I'm over here now. Or sometimes I'll find out because I go on LinkedIn before I am following up with them on a call or email and see, oh, they're not there anymore. Or worst case scenario, you get an email kickback. Mm-hmm. You know, you send an email to somebody in case by saying can't be delivered. So then you start doing your research and you find out, oh, geez, you know, they're, they're out of there. They're on to somewhere else. And so once you find out where they're at, then you start connecting with them and saying, hey, are you settled in? How's it going there? Tell me about your role. You know, what was the catalyst for the move? Are you excited? Um, start building that relationship back up again and learning about the organization they're at now. Mm-hmm. In my case, sometimes that's happened where, the, the new company they went to is actually already a client company that another consultant is serving. Ah. So I'd be like, hey, let me introduce you to my colleague who's already doing business inside of that because you're familiar with us and they're already doing business there. You guys should be connected too. And I keep my relationship going, but I connect them. So it serves my colleague and, and my, my friend who went on mm-hmm. to that other company. That's great. 
Yeah, that happened to me recently. I want to affirm that when you get these uh, emails that kick back, <clears throat> I had that happen. And so I looked up the person on LinkedIn and I noticed that she had a new role. So I reached out to her, connected and asked her if she thought there might be a need for this particular product that they had been using when she was at this other company. And she wrote back and said, hey, as a matter of fact, I'm gonna be moving into this other role within this new company in a couple of months and there really could be a great opportunity there. So stay in touch. So that's, it, it's really, um, I like to think of it as there's gold in our backyard sometimes. Well, there's another step there that you could even do that I've done several times. So in that case, you looked her up on LinkedIn, you saw where she went to, right? You connected with her and said, hey, is there value? One other thing that I do is I go ahead and do a search on LinkedIn and see what other people at this new company she's at used to work at some of my other clients. Ah. So you can say, you know, previous employer. So then you might find there's five or six people in that firm that were at this other company or companies. And you can easily say, hey, you know, there's like six people there that have experienced our program at other companies. Let's get them together. Let's see if there's some interest. And, you know, that could be my pilot group to get right in there because they're already familiar with us. Oh, that's so excellent. You can, there's a lot of gold in those hills, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That's exactly right. Well, I know we are running out of time. We could keep talking, I know, for hours, Stephen, right. because you're just a, a font of wisdom and, and experience here. But as we close up, let's think about what's one tip that you might share with our listeners that could help them grow their business in the next year? I'd say one tip is to make sure that you set yourself up for success by having your goals clearly stated and then complete last year and set yourself up for the coming year. And let me explain that. So set up your goal for the year. That's pretty straightforward. Most people understand, especially business people, that if you write down your goals and keep them visible, you have a 72% better chance of achieving them. So let's get them, get them in there, right? So get that goal. But what I mean by completing last year is look back at last year, determine what worked for you and what didn't work for you. Where did you fall short? What were your disappointments? And then take those disappointments and kind of create a negative statement out of them. So let's say um, you determined that last year you were living in scarcity, you know, making excuses about what you didn't have instead of focusing on what you do have or not enough budget or whatever. You were living in scarcity. Um, you were being timid, you weren't being bold, going out there trying to meet people. Um, you were um, being tentative, you know, whatever that might be. Create a negative statement and say, I am scared, tentative, um, you know, living in uh, scarcity, you know, some negative statement. And then take that negative statement and turn it into a positive. Flip it and say, I'm bold, courageous, outgoing. Um, energized, abundant leader. Okay, that positive statement then becomes an operating paradigm for you. So you have your goals and then you have this operating paradigm. If you look at that operating paradigm before you get on every phone call, when you start every day, it's going to help you with the positive piece of stuff that's going to help you act differently, be differently this year than the things that were disappointing last year. And you do that year over year over year, by the way but uh, it's actually part of our strategic team plan process, but I encourage individuals to do it. Clear goals, complete last year, identify the things that didn't go well, and then let it go. 
mm-hmm. come up with a positive statement for moving forward for this year and live into that statement. That'll make a big difference for you. Awesome. Awesome way to end. I, I buy into that a hundred percent. I do it myself. It's, it's really a great approach. Thank you for sharing that. So Stephen, we're going to have lots of people that want to connect with you. Obviously you're on LinkedIn. Tell us the best ways for people to find you and connect with you and learn more about your services. So certainly um, Stephen Crawford on LinkedIn um, is a great way to get to me directly or my email, Stephen, that's with a V, stephen.crawford at mcgeepro.com. Um, you can also check out McGeePro at our website, mcgeepro.com or on their LinkedIn page as well. But for me directly, LinkedIn is great or directly via email, stephen.crawford at mcgeepro.com. Excellent. And we'll put all of that on the show notes page. So people that come there to listen to you or watch the video will be able to uh, find that information there. Stephen, awesome. you've given such a wealth of insights and tips. I am very grateful for your generosity of spirit. It comes through loud and clear and I appreciate you. I'm so glad you've been with me today. Thank you for that. And um, for the listeners, you should all know that me being on this podcast actually came from exactly the process that we've been talking about today. Meredith and I connected, we started building a relationship, we tried to see where we can serve each other. That's what it's all about. So this is a a testimony to that process. And I want to thank you, Meredith, for having me on. It's been fantastic. Wow. It's just been excellent. And we will have to um, have another conversation very soon. Thank you. Anytime. It'd be my pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to the Strong for Performance podcast. Now head over to growstrongleaders.com to learn how our tools can increase your impact with clients and expand your business. And while you're there, grab our free ebook, The Five Secrets to Getting Better at Anything. Until next time, I'm Meredith Bell. Make it a great day.